That's, um, um, I'm Suzanne, by the way, one of the chaplaincy team here. Uh, that song, Change My Heart, Oh God, is really, could really encapsulate what it is that I want to share this morning. And um, I'm going to start with the reading and then uh, uh, take it from there. So I'm reading from Matthew chapter 6, and I'm reading the first six verses and then 16 to 21. Part of the Sermon on the Mount. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm just going to take my cardigan off because I can feel my temperature rising. <laughs> so, that reading. Yesterday was Ash Wednesday, of course, marking the beginning of Lent. Am I on? I'm on. Good. I grew up in a free church, and um, the, the rhythm of a free church, well, the free church I went to anyway, had lots and lots of lovely things about it. But Ash Wednesday, Lent, Advent, just didn't kind of happen, really. I expect the readings 
Um, we followed election research. I expect the lead readings reflected it, but it wasn't part of the church's cycle. And so um, as my own spiritual journey developed and, um, and I learned about Lent and Ash Wednesday and Advent and things, actually brings a richness, doesn't it? A richness that I hadn't really appreciated before. So I'm just going to talk about Ash Wednesday and the beginning of Lent because it relates to this reading. And um, indulge me while I talk about Ash Wednesday for a moment, which was just yesterday. It's about focusing our hearts on repentance, really, and prayer as we prepare through the weeks ahead for Easter. And it's 46, well, 45 now, probably, days until Easter Sunday. 40 days of Lent. Sundays aren't counted. <laughs> what I don't know, apparently Sundays aren't counted because we are a resurrection people and we continue to celebrate the resurrection on Sundays. What I don't know is if you give up chocolate for Lent, whether that means you can eat chocolate on Sundays. <laughs> Maybe... <laughs> Maybe somebody who is a little wiser can tell me that. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe that has to be your decision. But it's really um, also reflecting, of course, the fact that Jesus went into the wilderness. And he had 40 days in the wilderness. And he had temptations there. It was a battle there. But it was probably also a bit like our Lenten experience, our Lenten experience like him, Seeking the heart of God. That's what we all want, isn't it? For our lives, seeking the heart of God. So when we receive the ashes on Ash Wednesday, if you did yesterday, it's about declaring the intention to be sorry for the wrongs we've done, the sins we've done. And it's about a commitment to use this period to be holy, to use the discipline of Lent, to find Father's heart, to be ready to celebrate Easter with great joy, having controlled some desires maybe, brought a bit of discipline into life. Lent isn't a word we find in scripture, but the discipline of Lent actually we find in scripture over and over and over again in terms of that pathway, that preparation, that repentance, prayer, discipline, finding the heart of God. So it's symbolic of the lifestyle of believers, really. And the verses in this passage, as I said, part of the Sermon on the Mount, refer to three actions, basically. Praying, giving, and fasting. And they were the three actions expected of the Jewish people at the time of Jesus. He was not introducing three new rules or regulations or rights or anything like that. They were expected of the pious Jew of the day. Jesus had said, does say, he did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. And so we might expect that the things that were already part of a Jew's life, Jesus might want to do something with and elevate it. He doesn't dismiss the actions of the pious Jews. 
piety. That's a funny word these days, isn't it? It brings a connotation, doesn't it, of um, perhaps religiosity that isn't terribly deep or spiritual. But it's the word that is used, piety. And what Jesus does is he elevates these things in order to fulfill what Father has asked him to do. He takes these things, prayer, fasting, giving, beyond piety into secrecy. It's lovely, isn't it? He takes them from piety into secrecy. Because piety is something that's observed, isn't it? And all the way through that passage, Jesus is saying, if you do it to be seen, that's all the reward you're going to get over and over and over. He said it. But if we elevate it to secrecy, then it's for Father's eyes and not everybody else's. So we're not looking for the, look at that pious person. See how holy they must be. That's not the intention. These things are to be done in secret. He sees what we do in secret. So if we choose to do something in Lent, whether it's giving up something, taking up something, giving up alcohol, giving up chocolate, giving up coffee, whatever it might be, taking up something, whatever we do, it should bring us closer to the heart of God, bring us closer to Jesus. Because if it doesn't, why are we doing it? If you decide that you're going to give up chocolate and hope secretly that you might lose a bit of weight while you're doing it, then it's not worth doing it. You might as well go on a full-blown diet and be done with it because it's not going to bring you closer to the heart of God if your aim is to lose a little bit of weight. So our Lenten activity needs to take us closer to God. So we're going to have a look at these verses, and I just want to touch on the trumpets and the hypocrites first before I look at those three things in a little bit more detail. The trumpets, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? That, um, um, what did it say? Do not announce it with trumpets when you give to the needy. And there is a thought. Some of the commentators say that the trumpets might have been um, brass receptacles that were on the walls of the synagogues when you went in. And if you threw a, a big coin into it, it made a clang. So everybody would go, wow, somebody must have given a lot, because didn't that make a noise? And when Jesus talks about hypocrites, it's not the kind of meaning that we might apply to hypocrisy today. The word that is used actually speaks to... Um, the theatre. It's a theatre, dramatic performance. So it's a slightly different connotation of hypocrite. So Jesus is saying, don't make a drama out of this. Don't be performing it. Live it. Don't perform it. And if you notice the words as I read them, Jesus isn't persuading us that we should be praying, fasting, giving. He says, when you do. There is an assumption there that it is part of life, when you do. His emphasis is on motivation. 
when you pray, literally, whenever you do these things, every time you do it. When you pray, go into your room, into your closet, and shut the door. What do you think of when you hear that phrase? Do you think of the cupboard in your back room that actually is <laughs> a bit too stuffed full to get into and for it to be a meaningful place to pray? Is that what Jesus is saying, go into your closet? No, it isn't. The prayer closet isn't a physical space. I was delighted when I discovered this. You know me, like words and things. Probably recognize a prayer shawl. Got lots and lots of meaning attached to it, and um, I could get distracted, but I won't. The prayer shawl. For the Jew, if you've been to the Western Wall or anywhere in Jerusalem and seen Jews praying, you will have seen something of what they do. They cover their heads, don't they? Sorry, I've got a microphone up there. They cover their heads. The tallet, pressure, literally means little tent. Little tent. So I can close the door of my tent and pray in secret. Because I can't see you, and all you can see is my prayer shawl. So when Jesus said, go into your closet, for the Jew, that's what he was saying. It's not a public, dramatic spectacle on the street corner. It is go into your little tent. So where is your little tent? What is your little tent, I wonder? that personal, intimate space where it's just you and Father. When I was thinking about it, I thought about people who commuted and maybe their little tent is when they sit on the train with their earbuds in. Nothing going on, not listening to anything, but to the whole world, they're listening to something. And it could just be their little tent where they spend time with God. And there would be lots of other examples of how you could develop a little tent in your life. See, Jesus wasn't condemning public prayer. He wasn't saying you can't pray outside where other people are around. He's just saying, don't make a drama out of it so that people say you and go, wow, they're praying. Because if you do, you'll have to be content with that wow. That's all the reward you're going to get. And then he talks about giving and those trumpets. Quietly, anonymously, perhaps. Not for human acclaim. The anonymous gift, maybe. The pleasure of sending flowers but with no name on it. So that you can't be thanked. God knows. We do it quietly. 
And the giving in this context might not just be money. It could be time. It could be skills. Not quite so easy to do that quietly, perhaps if you're going to volunteer somewhere. But you don't have to necessarily declare why you're doing it, do you? Is it from the heart, or is it because you want to be noticed by lots of people? And fasting, such a discipline, such a discipline. The early church practiced fasting actually as a spiritual preparation for significant decisions. I wonder how often we think about that when we have a significant decision coming up, whether we should fast beforehand. And I don't know about you, but if I hear the word fasting, I automatically think, I've got to give up food. (laughs) And not everybody can give up food for long periods of time. There might be health reasons why actually you can't do that. But we can fast from other things. We can fast from the daily newspaper, from that indulgent coffee, alcohol, screen time. Television, whatever it is. But again, if the giving of it up is about losing weight or having a bit more time to do something else, if it's not God-directed, then it's not worth it. It's not the right motivation. Because the question is, what are you going to do instead when you think, God, I'd love that bar of chocolate. What are you going to do instead What are you going to do instead of going into whatever your coffee shop is and having half an hour over an indulgent coffee? Because the giving up of chocolate is not going to bring us closer to the Lord unless we discipline ourselves in that direction. Because Lent is a very personal journey in the company of Jesus. And whatever I agree with him has to remain between him and me through this time doesn't concern anyone else but it's a journey towards intimacy and if we can use this time this wilderness time this time to easter to draw near to god to draw near to his heart, we'll find that place of holiness, stillness, find that place of healing, find that place of peace. It's the longing of my heart. It's the longing of God's heart too. So be blessed in your journey this Lent. Amen.